All right, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18, verse 8, and also Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. I'm still super old school. I got my notebook. Uh, I know Pastor has the iPad, so he get, he just scrolls through, but I have a hard enough time keeping my spot as it is, so if my pages blow, I'll be lost. I just have to bear with me. But um, Brother Josh, when he started his technology company, didn't even let me know he was starting because he knew I wouldn't be a customer. So... Luke chapter 18, verse 8, and Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. I want to read something to you before, and uh, same thing here. I actually didn't try sending it to myself on any kind of extra technology platform or anything else because I knew I wouldn't be able to find it. So I just left it on my phone, and it's something about mothers. This is a job posting put out there for moms. It says, position, mother, mom, or mama. Job description. Long-term, team players needed for challenging, permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organization, organizational skills and be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings, weekends, and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sport tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses will not be reimbursed. Extensive courier duties also required. Responsibilities. The rest of your life, you must be willing to be hated at least temporarily until someone needs $5. You must be willing to bite your tongue repeatedly. Also, you must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule and be able to go from zero to 60 miles per hour in three seconds flat in case this time the screams from the backyard are not someone crying wolf. You must be willing to face stimulating Technical challenges such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. You must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. You must have the ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental You must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. You must handle assembly and product safety testing of half a million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. You must always hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. You must assume final, complete accountability for the quality of the end product. Responsibilities also include floor maintenance and janitorial work throughout the facility. Possibility for, advance, for advancement and promotion, virtually none. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining constantly retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience, none required. On-the-job training is offered on a continually exhausting basis. The wages and compensation for this job, you pay them, offering frequent raises and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will help them become financially independent. When you die, you give them whatever's left. The oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and wish you could only do more. And lastly, here's the benefits of this position. No health or dental insurance, no pension, no tuition reimbursement, no paid holidays, no stock options are offered. This job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth and free hugs for life. Thought that was interesting. Our moms do so much for us. Um, we miss our mom and uh, but we're thankful for what she gave us and um, how she trained us 
so that we can teach our children also. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, I'm going to uh, preach a message tonight. I preached last time I preached it was on fellowship and, and what a joy the fellowship in the Christian life can be here at the church. And, and uh, today we're going to talk about faithfulness. Luke chapter 18 verse 8 says this. And we're going to, it's the second half of the verse here. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, but here's what we're looking at. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? And then Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find? A faithful man who, who can find? That statement goes without saying it's very rare to find a faithful man. Um, I'm going to set my Bible down because I can't keep both of the pages from flipping at the same time. I have all my verses written out so that I can, uh, so that I wouldn't have to turn to them. I knew it was going to be a little bit windy. So um, I have one passage that I'll go back to my Bible for because it's a little bit longer. But let's go ahead and pray and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. God, I pray that you would uh, calm my nerves. But God, I pray that more than anything, the messages you've laid on my heart, I would be able to communicate it to your people. God, I pray that you would give me the exact words to say to help us understand uh, this topic. God, it's such an important topic. It's such a uh, needed topic. And God, this faithfulness that we'll be talking about tonight, as we've already said, is, is so hard to find. So hard to find, in fact, that here in Luke, you say, will you even be able to find it when you come back to this earth? And God, I pray that we would be people here in this church, uh, here in this world, that would be faithful to you. Uh, God, we're not just looking to be uh, faithful in the, in the sense of always at church. God, that's good. But, but even more than that, faithful to your cause, to your work, to your ministry. And uh, God, just faithful to doing what your word tells us to do. And I pray that the answer to that question would be yes. When you come back to this earth, you'll find people right here at Mount Victory Baptist Church that are faithful, uh, that live our entire lives uh, faithful to you. God, we'll have times where we uh, wane a little bit and wax a little bit, but God, I just pray that we'd be faithful uh, to your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. When the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith? on the earth. Uh, faithfulness, as I already said these days, is it is. It's as rare as diamonds. As in dad's vernacular, it's as rare as hen's teeth, you would always say. Rare as hen's teeth. Um, the sad thing is, we see a lot of people get saved. They, um, we used to run, the bus, run a bus in the bus ministry there in Indiana, and we would see people get saved and get excited. They would jump into uh, helping on the bus even, helping others uh, to come to church. They would doors with us. But then all of a sudden, you know, a year or a few months would go by and you'd be like, man, I wonder what happened to them. They're just gone. They're a flash in the pan. And unfortunately, I think that that happens a lot in uh, our churches. And why is that? Did the people that are a flash in the pan, did they never get saved? And I don't think that's the reason. I think they did get saved. We, we see some fruit. Uh, from their salvation, we see the change in their life. But I think what happens is, as we walk along in our Christian life, the going gets a little bit tough. You hit some bumps in the road. You hit, 
some issues in your marriage, you hit the death of a loved one, uh, you get mad at the preacher when he steps on your toes a little bit, mad at some other Christian that did something you didn't like in the church, and, and, and the excitement of the Christian life wears off. And so these people that we were running along next to in the Christian life, they slow their pace to a walk. I'll catch up in a little bit. And the next thing you know, we forget about them. They're gone. They're that, they are that flash in the pan. But the problem with that is um, when we stop running our Christian life the way God intends for us to run, we start to backslide. And that backsliding turns to skipping church. And that skipping church turns to forgetting to read your Bible, forgetting to pray. Uh, and that forgetting to read your Bible, forgetting to pray, turns to forgetting what God, how God wants us to live. And then as the Bible says, we turn back to the weak and beggarly elements of this world. We go back to what we came out of. Um, and unfortunately, so often we see... Um, Maybe a first-generation husband and wife, first-generation Christians, they get saved out of the world. They get excited, and they may live their whole life all the way to the end, serving God, but they forget to train their children. They forget to, I say forget, they don't do a great job training their children on how to be faithful as well in how to walk this Christian life that they are so excited about. And unfortunately, what we see is as these parents continue their walk of faith their children pass them going the other way back to the world that they came out of so it's so important and we're going to talk about this here in just a little bit to to train our children to be faithful as well um why do we do we see these people that are for lack of a better term this flash in a pen because a faithful man is hard to find it's hard to be faithful. Um, it's hard to find somebody faithful at work, let alone at the Christian life. Um, I just I just heard about this, and, and I'll, I won't use his name, but I'm going to give the story because none of you will know who he is. But it was a friend of ours from uh, when we were there in Indiana at the church. And this husband and wife um, were actually on deputation, getting ready to go to Africa and the reason they were going to Africa, we had several missionaries there already, and they were kind of, wasn't a compound, but they were working together, and they were kind of uh, in need of an orphanage for all these children that were starting to, to show up at their church that they really couldn't take care of. So they needed a permanent couple to start an orphanage for them. And uh, so this couple decided, you know what? We've been trying forever. They were a little bit older, late 20s, early 30s, I say older, but older for the reason of this. They were trying to have children and couldn't. They could not have children. But they loved kids. They were in the children's ministries, involved in all of that. And so they said, you know what? I feel like God's calling us to go run that orphanage. So they went on deputation to, to uh, raise support so that they could go start this orphanage. And, orphanage. and while he was on deputation, the husband caught, or got cancer. And so that put it on hold for quite a while. He uh, fought the cancer, had chemo treatments and all that. It really, really affected his health uh, even to this day. But he ended up beating the cancer and was still very interested in going out and being in the ministry. And 
something at the church upset them. I don't even know all the details, whatever, but they ended up leaving our church. They went back to, um, I believe they were from Georgia. They went back to Georgia and back to their church there and actually ended up, God gave them a, a little girl a few years later. So they, they ended up having a child. But the excitement of the Christian life wore off for them. And, the, and I just heard, I just saw it actually um, just a few days ago that uh, they ended up getting a divorce and they're both remarried and everything else. They're absolutely not in Africa um, working at an orphanage. But why does that happen? How does that happen? And that's what we're talking about tonight. A faithful man is extremely hard to find. You might go on for a year or two or three or four or five or ten, but then why do we drift away from, from the things of God? Because, and, and as I started off saying, we stop reading our Bible, we stop praying, we stop really desiring to know what it is that God wants us to do, and then we start to not really care. We don't really care what God wants us to do. The things of this world are so much more important to us. They're so much more uh, uh, flashy. They're so much more uh, intriguing. And so we drift to those things because we've let our, uh, our desire to live for God wane. Um, but there's something else in this verse. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man cometh implies that we don't know when that is. There's other places in the Bible talks about it very, um, very clearly that this, this return of Jesus Christ is, is imminent. It could come at any time, but we don't know when it is. So he says, when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? And it got me thinking when I was reading that, um, at work, we have a policy and procedure that we have to follow or we're supposed to follow. And they take all the OSHA rules, all the DOT rules, all the State Corporation Commission rules, and they build this policy around those so that we can be compliant to all those different um, bureaucracies. Um, and so when you get to a work site, you got to set up your work zone. You got to put out cones. You got to put out signs. You've got to do a pre-job safety briefing. So everybody that's on the job has to get together. And you know, we talk about some of the different safety issues, some of the different utilities that are under the ground that we're going to be careful so we don't hit them. Uh, traffic. We talk about all these different things. And then you put on all your PPE. You got to have steel-toed boots. You got to have safety glasses, a hard hat, a vest, gloves. Uh, if you're jackhammering, you got to have metatarsals to, to, to protect your feet and all the rest of that. And there's so much that has to be done that sometimes some of the little things, you, do, you cut corners, you don't do them. And without fail, when you cut those corners, that's when the boss shows up. And he says, why aren't you guys doing this? Why aren't you guys doing that? And that's, that's how it is with God. The only way for him to find faith on the earth when he does come is for us to be being faithful every single day. You can't have any days off. You hear that in, in sports, no days off. But that's how it is with Christians. There's no, we can't have any days off in our walk with Him. Because what happens when that one day or that one week you decided to slack a little bit and the Son of Man comes back for us and He doesn't find us faithful uh, to Him. So that something very important. When He comes, we don't know when it is, so we must do it 
every single day. If we want to be found faithful, we must be fa when He comes, we must be faithful each and every day. Uh, now, I want to be clear, too, that being faithful is not just following a set of rules that a church has set up or following some man who is the pastor in some sort of a cultish uh, following. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is a true love for God that motivates us to service and clean living and translates, and it's so real to us that it translates into the lives of our kids, into the lives of our co-workers, into the lives of our fellow church members. That's faithfulness. Finding out for ourselves what God's Word says, what He wants us to do, what He expects of us, and doing that day in and day out, not just because that's what we do, but because we love to do it. We love to make Him happy. We love to please Him. And if your faithfulness to church isn't because you love Jesus Christ, we, we need to take a look at it again and see why we're doing what we're doing. That's why people go on for 10, 15, 20 years in a church and then all of a sudden they just throw, throw in the towel and they just leave. They're done because they weren't doing it for Christ. They were doing it for someone else. That's not faithfulness. That's following a set of rules. Uh, and so if we're going to be faithful, we have to know why we're doing what we're doing. We have to know what the Bible says, what God expects of us. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He's, his eyes are going to and fro throughout the earth looking for those faithful people that he can show himself strong through. Uh, as Pastor said this morning, we do not want to have do-it-yourself Christian lives. We don't want to have that because there's no power in it. You can go along for a little while like that, but when you get tired, your Christian walk falls apart. Your influence on others disappears because we can only go on in our own strength for so long. But when we are faithful, 2 Chronicles says, God is looking for someone to show himself strong through. And when we have that power, we can go on for our whole life, walking and living for him. So we got two points quickly. And then, then we'll be done. So we're going to look at first the enemies of faithfulness. The enemies of faithfulness. And these are not the only enemies of faithfulness. But we're going to look at a few of them. Uh, some of the obvious ones. Some of the bigger enemies of faithfulness. And the first one is money. Money is a, a big enemy of faithfulness. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But the love of money has sidetracked so many Christians. So many people chased after that money they're, and they're gone. Money was so important to them. This is, a, this is a very important question that we've got to ask ourselves. There's nothing wrong with working hard and having a good job, making money, and having nice things. There's nothing wrong with that. But how much is enough? How much do you need to be happy? And remember, money will never make you happy. But how much is enough? How much, how much do you have to make before you finally say, all right, I'm not going to chase the money anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for God. How much is enough? And <clears throat> um, I was listening to Glenn Beck on the radio actually just this week, and he, he said 
Somebody asked him that because he's built this whole huge business, this huge empire of uh, through radio and all the rest of that. But he had an old man ask him, a really, really wealthy man, ask him. He said, how much is enough, Glenn? And he said, I don't know what you mean. You know, he said, you need to decide right now how much is enough, because if you don't, when you get there, it won't be enough. And that's what Christians have. That's what we do. We're chasing that dollar. But how much is enough? At what point do we say, all right, I'm going to stop working all this overtime. I'm going to stop looking for the next job that pays a little bit and, and just depend on God. I'm not saying stop working, sit at home on the couch and expect the checks to come in because I have faith in God. That's not what I'm saying. But how much is enough? The, the money will never make us happy. We don't get questioned upon entering heaven's gates how much we made a year or how much how many toys we had on this earth it's not important it's fun it's intriguing and it is sidetracking to many many christians but it's not important when we stand before god like i said there's nothing wrong with a good paying job god uses people with money to further his work all the time you hear lots of stories, especially in the old days, about J.C. Penney and some of these big business owners. God used their, their money to fund huge works, missions, and, and all the rest of that. But he loves when the little guy gives sacrificially because he can bless him. He doesn't need that money, but he, and he, he uses it, but he doesn't need it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill, and he can, he can give... He has that money. He has the resources whenever he needs them. So money is an enemy of faithfulness. We work and work and work. We chase a career path. But when it's all said and done, it's not important. And it's a side, big side tracker of us being faithful. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We know this verse very uh, well, but it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Often we don't look at what all these things is talking about, but if you go back in Matthew chapter 6 in the previous verses, it's talking about how the flowers are arrayed in all of their beauty, and the birds, they don't go looking for, they don't, they don't store for the next meal. God provides for them. And it's talking about how God takes care of all of his creation, but then we go hoard and save and try to, and he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you're trying to, all these things that you need will be given to you. They'll be added unto you if you seek first the kingdom of God. The second enemy of faithfulness goes right along with money and it's pleasure. And First um, John chapter 2 talks about this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life pleasure there's nothing wrong with having nice things but when God calls a missionary or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a full-time Christian worker and they're so worried about the pleasureful things of this earth this world that they don't answer that call then pleasure becomes a big problem where are the pastors that are being called I mean it seemed not that long ago that Every young Christian boy had some sort of a desire to one day grow up and preach or something. Now we're, we're actually 
pushing our kids away from that. We want them to be the next big lawyer, the next big doctor, or the next whatever. We need to encourage our kids to be uh, in full-time service. God doesn't call everybody, and we don't need to force them into it, but we need to let them know that that's, that's a, a very good thing to be called to. God is calling pastors. He's calling pastors' wives. He's calling missionaries, and we're not responding. And then we wonder why we're losing our country, we're losing our world. Because of the things of this world, the pleasures of this world have sidetracked us. We have the pleasures of this life and we also have the pleasures of sin. Satan has made it so easy to access the pleasures of sins that would be faithful men and women are cut down, were destroyed in the infancy of our Christian lives. Teenagers that get addicted to all these different sins and drugs and, and the, the pleasures of sin. How can God call someone who's involved in all of that? How do you get out of that? It's not impossible, but it's not easy. The pleasures of sin uh, are, are, a, are a major derailer of faithfulness. And then the last, last enemy that we're going to look at is fame. You say, I'm not, I'm not famous. That, that's not an issue I have. The definition or a definition of fame is the admiration of others. The admiration of others. Look at the time and effort that is put into the, to creating these facades on social media. For what? For the admiration of others. It's our own little piece of, of fame that we're trying to build. Um, uh, fame, by the way, is, is the worst of these enemies because... It's just like not having enough money. When we finally get there, we think we finally become, we've finally gotten the admiration of others. That admiration disappears and we go on chasing it again. It, it never ends. Fame, um, I heard somebody describe it. Seeking the admiration of others is like battery acid to our souls. You never, you never get what you're looking for. And so for your whole life, you chase it. But fame, the admiration of others, is, is uh, it sidetracks us from our faithful Christian walk. It never brings true satisfaction or happiness when somebody finally says, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, they know my name. You did all of that so somebody would recognize you when you were walking through the store or whatever? For what? When it's all said and done, it doesn't matter. And all of society, all of Every, every social media, every, all, everything in society right now is teaching us and our children to chase this fame. Everybody's looking to be the next viral hit, the next viral uh, song on YouTube or, or Facebook or whatever. It's, it's telling us that. And Satan absolutely wants us to go along with that. Christians, unfortunately have jumped on this treadmill. We're running along, wasting our life, trying to get this admiration of others. And for what purpose? And we forget to, that we're looking, that we need to be looking for the admiration of Jesus Christ. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. We're looking for that from people. What difference do they make to, to us? Dave Ramsey says it probably the best. He's talking about money, but, but it can be applied to seeking the admiration from others. But he says, people buy things they don't need with money they don't have 
to impress people they don't even know or don't even like. And that's what this fame does. We're trying to get this admiration from other people that we don't even care about. And they don't care about us. If you fell on hard times, none of them are going to come looking to help you. But it d distracts us from our faithful walk with Jesus Christ. Um, and, a, and as a side note, a brand, another brand of fame is prestige in our own circle. So we may never become famous on social media or famous on Instagram or Facebook or whatever else. But we look for that prestige in our own circles. And, and that sometimes distracts in the church. We spend our Christian lives trying to get that position in the church where when people come in, they say, oh, that's, that's so-and-so. But it distracts us from just walking a faithful Christian life for Jesus Christ. So those are the enemies of faithfulness. We're going to look at a few areas quickly that we need to focus on being faithful. Just three areas where we need to focus on being faithful. And the first one is with our families. And I'm not just talking about husband and wife being faithful to each other. Almost more important than that is faithfully teaching our families what God expects of them. Faithfully teaching them how to live, what God expects. You look at Proverbs 31, and that's the, the Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous woman. That is a picture of faithfulness, faithfulness to her family. She not just provides for him and all the rest of that, but they look up to her. They call her blessed. Her, her husband calls her blessed. Her children call her blessed. Mothers are the ones that raise the preachers, the missionaries, the Sunday school teachers. They have such an important role. And unfortunately, the role of a stay-at-home mother is looked down on. And you don't have to stay at home to be a good mother, but it, it is looked down on in today's society when God says that's one of the most important roles somebody can have. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'll have you turn here. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. This is the importance God places on being faithful in teaching our families. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt, thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And he was talking to the children of Israel about how they are supposed to teach their children. But we're the, we should be doing the same thing. Our children should know exactly what it means to be a Christian. They should know exactly how they're supposed to live. Not just, we don't drink, we don't smoke, not just what we don't do but why we don't do these things why do we live a clean life because we're trying to please our lord and savior we're trying to live the way that he wants us to live but when we aren't faithful in teaching them we lose our country we lose our a generation uh, of christians we lose our churches and we lose our influence in a dark world Look around you and, and you can see the world is dark. 
And we lose our influence. We lose our ability to raise the next generation to influence when we aren't faithful in teaching our families. Faithful uh, in teaching our families. But the second thing we, we need to focus on being faithful in is our friendships. Proverbs chapter 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a, a, a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Proverbs chapter 20 verse, 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What is that talking about? Friends, real, true friends, should be making each other better. Uh, the wounds of a friend. When a friend comes to you and says something that's hard, it's hard to, to take, it's hard to accept. But he's not doing it, be, a real friend's not doing it to hurt you. He's doing it because he loves you or because she loves you. And there's studies out there about um, how many true friends a person goes through their life that actually has. It's very, very few. I think they say three or five. You're lucky if you have three or five friends, real friends, in your whole entire life. They're rare. Real friends are hard to find. But in a church full of Christians walking the same path, trying to serve the same God, the same goal in mind, it should be easy to find friends. We should be, not in a gossipy way or anything like that, but when somebody starts to slip or starts to stray, we should rally around them, bring them back to where they should be. And I don't mean we're all talking about it to each other and how, you know, how can we help them. But individually, each person should be going to that person and saying, hey, let us know how we can help you. Hey, we see what's going on in your life. You need to, you need to change these different things. That's the wounds of a friend that it's talking about. But we're, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to embarrass anybody. We don't want to whatever. And so we are not faithful in that friendship. And we let them go down their path. We let them leave church, we let them backslide, and the next thing you know, we, we forget all about them and they're gone. We need to be faithful in our friendship uh, with, our, with our fellow brothers and sisters. A church should be one of those rare places filled with faithful, no-strings-attached friendships. Not looking for something from them, not looking for anything in return, but being a friend, a friend in Christ. Um, and then the last, the last thing we need to focus on being faithful in is our Christian walk and service. Um, we need to be faithful in Bible reading. The Bible is not a magic book. It's not a, oh, read the Bible for 10 minutes each morning and everything's going to be fine. It's not a magic book. But... God's Word is alive and relevant, and the only way for us to know it and follow its instruction is to be reading it. I used to tell the, the kids on the bus this all the time. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It's His instruction book to us. And so, when we stand before God, we're not going to have the excuse of, I didn't know. God's going to tell us, I gave you God's word, I gave you my word to read and to know and to understand what you should be doing. It's not his fault that we're not reading it and don't, un and don't know what we're supposed to do. The only way to follow and, and do what he is, has told us to do is to be reading our Bibles. And so we need to be faithful in doing that. It's not just a habit that we need to uh, read the Bible. It's not just a, uh, it's interesting, I was thinking about the word devotions. We, we call it did you have your devotions? 
What does that mean? Because of our devotion to Christ is what it means. We read our Bible and pray, but it's not a thing we do. We do it because of our devotion. Are you reading your Bible? Do you remember a time when God's Word was precious? And when you read it, you got something from it. Do you remember a time? that? Hopefully it's still like that now, but if it's not, are you even reading your Bible? Is it? Are you faithful in Bible reading? Second thing is faithful in prayer. And Pastor talked about this this morning, um, the importance of prayer and all the rest of that. But are you faithful in prayer? Or is it a last resort when you have issues? It's a good exercise. God is looking to hear from us. He wants to have that conversation with us through prayer. How often, how, how long do you go between conversations with Him? Faithful in prayer. And then, and then last, faithful in being a witness and a testimony for God. Are we a light in this world or do we blend right in? Do people even know you're a Christian? And I know what I'm saying tonight is nothing new. We've heard all of this before, but it's a reminder. This is how we can be faithful. If you go days or weeks or months without telling somebody else about Jesus Christ, you're not being faithful as a witness for him. And you say, you know, well, I don't drink. And the people at work know that. Do they know why? Have you, have you told them why you're different? Have you told them what changed you? Are we faithful in our witness? And I'll say this last, to be found faithful, we have to swim upstream. It's not easy. That's why everybody doesn't do it. You've heard that before. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy to start a business, everybody would do it. As if, if it was easy to go run three miles a day, everybody would do it. As if it was easy to stay in great shape, everybody would do it. And if it was easy to be faithful, everybody would do it. But it's not easy. But it can be done. It can be done. But we have to do it intentionally. It's not an accident that somebody stands before God and says, Oh, I, I was faithful? Oh, I appreciate the compliment. No, we have to intentionally be faithful to Jesus Christ. Um, I want to talk about this, this. And it's living a whole life of, of faithfulness in the end is very much worth it to stand before Jesus Christ. And as Pastor mentioned this morning, get those crowns that we can put give back to Him. It's worth it. But unfortunately, I think the church, as the bride of Christ, has not been faithful. If you read the book of Hosea, hopefully you can find it. Hosea is, the whole book of Hosea is a picture of the unfaithfulness of the church to Christ. As his bride, we've been unfaithful. And Hosea had to go all, through all these crazy things with his wife as a picture to the people, the Israelites, of how they had been unfaithful. And we've done the same thing as the church uh, of Christ. And so I'm going to close with this, and it's just a challenge more than anything, but why, why do you think the church was one of the first places that was closed when all this pandemic and everything happened? Why was it the first place closed? It was called non-essential. And I heard a pastor talking about this, and he actually wrote an open letter to his uh, governor apologizing. He said, I've been really hard on the governor. But he said, the more I've thought about it, 
the more I've thought about it, I've realized that the governor, it's not the governor's fault. He didn't, he didn't decide we were non-essential. We decided we were non-essential. We decided we were non-essential when we stopped having church on Sunday nights, when we stopped having midweek service on Wednesdays. Is it not important? If we don't think it's important enough to come to church, why would the governor think it's important enough to leave us open? We're non-essential. Uh, as a church, and I don't mean our church, but as a church, as, as the bride of Christ, we've acted like chameleons in this world to match the world in our music, in our talk, in our dress, in our entertainment, to the place where the community, to our, our communities have decided we're not, not essential. You can close them down. Nobody even needs the church. Communities used to be built around the church. On Sundays, everything closed, right? Everybody was in church. Or they at least respected that everybody was going to church and they shut the businesses down. Nothing was open on Sundays. We've made ourselves non-essential. Uh, talk about non-essential, we have pastors that you can barely tell the difference between him and a skateboarder at the park. Tattoos and skinny jeans and tennis shoes at church. He's the pastor. We've become identical to the world. Why would the world need us if we're exactly like them? We're not essential, but we've become non-essential because we've been unfaithful. We've been unfaithful to Christ. We've been unfaithful as Christians uh, to our Bible reading and our prayer and our walk with Him. We've been unfaithful in training our families to walk and live for Him. And then we wonder why nobody's being called to, to be a pastor. Nobody's being called to, to missions. We've actually downplayed it. We've... Uh, when we do finally get a pastor who's faithful and, and trying to do the right thing, the, the people become so stubborn, they fight him every step of the way. And then you wonder why nobody wants to be a pastor. We've been unfaithful. Uh, and we've, like I said already before, we've made ourselves non-essential. We need to change that. And I think that our church is. I think our church is making difference in our community. And we grow, and as we... Uh, people find out that we're here, and as we knock on doors, that is being faithful. That is being essential. So let's, in closing, let's be faithful Christians. Let's be a faithful church to Christ and to this world. The world is looking for what we have. It's our job to go tell them. It's our responsibility. It's our duty to let them know this is why we're different. This is why... We are the way that we are, faithful in being a light to this world and making a difference for our Savior. Are you, are you faithful? Are you faithful in teaching your family? Are you faithful in your friendship? Or do you let your friends drift and drift and drift and then say, ah, I can't be a friend with them anymore. They're following the world. Or do we, are we faithful in helping them? Are you being faithful? So just a challenge uh, tonight. God is looking for faithfulness. He's looking to and fro to work through faithful people. And then as Luke chapter 18 says, when the Son of Man comes back to this earth, is he going to find faith? Hopefully we'll be the faithful people that he finds. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for this day that you've given us. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you that you've called our pastor to uh, start it. 
Thank you for each person that you've called to be a part of this church. God, I pray that we would be faithful people. I pray that when, the, when it gets a little tough, we wouldn't bail and leave everybody standing here alone. I pray that we would band together and we would fight against this world, but also tell this world about you. I pray that we'd be faithful in doing that, faithful in walking and living for you and faithful in, in our witness and in our testimony. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Close. Uh, we're going to have a time of invitation like we've been doing, but you know, uh, the world, the world needs us to be faithful, and they expect us to be faithful. You know, most of the world knows what a Christian is supposed to look like and what a Christian is supposed to do, and when we're not doing those things, they notice that. And we, we let them down. And they feel let down when, when the church is not doing what it's supposed to do. And on top of that, many times they don't even know that they need us to be faithful, but we might be the only, the only hope that they have between when they accept Christ as their Savior and when they spend an eternity in hell. But that month or two or year or two when we weren't faithful, we weren't witnessing, and we weren't knocking on doors, and we weren't sharing the gospel. We failed them because we weren't faithful. They need us. They need us. Not only does God need us to be faithful, this world needs us to be faithful to God. And it's a great reminder. We're, it's not anything that we, we know that we're supposed to be faithful, but, but so many times we, we fail in that responsibility. And a lot of the responsibilities that we fail in, we fail in because we're not faithful to doing what God's called us to do. For most of us, it's not that we don't know what we're supposed to do. It's that we're just not faithful always to do it. And that's what, that's, that's what God needs us to do. That's what God wants us to do. That's what this world needs us to do. And whether they know it or not, that's what they want us to do too. So as the piano plays, we'll take a couple minutes and have a time of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, Speak with him tonight. Let him speak to you.